Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Wow. You're incredibly kind, you're incredibly kind. Why don't you fist bump the person beside you and then grab your seat, go ahead and fist bump and then go ahead and be seated. Massive, massive welcome to each and every one of you. So good, so good to be here. So good to be here. I know to all of you right now, you're the ones that needed that extra hour of sleep, aren't you? It's okay, you can come clean and be honest right now. Right now we have people online with us and same applies to you, I'd imagine you needed that extra hour of sleep last night. Hey, I uh, wanted to speak to something John said in the video. John mentioned I'm from Norfolk. Actually, don't boo me off the stage right now, but I'm from Suffolk, actually. And um, uh, 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 the Lord redeems all things. Even though I'm from Suffolk, I'm a Norwich City fan. And true story, hey. Any Norwich City fans in the house right now? Okay, okay, okay. If you're online, raise your hands. Okay, Norwich City fans. That means you're living the kingdom life right there. It means you've been saved from a lesser life. I remember growing up on the terraces there on the river end of Carroll Road uh, many years. I close my eyes right now and I see Gunny and Nett running out, headbutting the crossbar. And if you remember those days, and then Butterworth and Bowen and Culverhouse and Townsend and Flecky up front. Just saying these names right now, so you know I didn't just make that up. I'm really a Norwich City fan. And actually, it's, uh, it really boosts my prayer life. Uh, it really caused me to pray a lot, actually. I watch a lot of the Norwich games still, and I'm like, wow, Lord Jesus, we need you to move at Carrow Road right now, like right now, Lord Jesus. But anyway, with that being said, why am I here in England right now? I serve at a church in Colorado Springs, as Pastor John mentioned. And here now, uh, come in the spring and come in the autumn every year now to be a part of a European learning community. And what that is, is a gathering of churches from England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and Western Europe, and they converge on this one location called Kingsgate Church in Peterborough. And they meet there for about three or four days, and they really seek the Lord and kind of grapple with who are they called to be as a church. This past year was able to do that, and also even a few days ago, was able then to pivot from there and go down to Holy Trinity Brompton, serve alongside of so many great leaders there, and really be around so many fantastic churches last Sunday was able to speak and had the honor of ministering at C3 Church in Cambridge with pastors Angie and Steve Campbell and just an incredible, I'm so thankful for what God has done this past week and it really in regards to that, I wanted to use that as a springboard into our content for this morning and that is this, when you're around a lot of churches, you begin to see some signs that are really healthy, you begin to see some issues that might be a problem. And then every now and again, you have a situation where you go, wow, you're in a crisis situation. But here's what I realized this past week. There are so many churches right now in England that are this close to a mighty move of God. There are some incredible signs of breakthrough and favor and kingdom blessing upon so many churches of which Soul Church, Soul Church friends, you are certainly in that place. And so much so, as I really prayed about what it is that God might have me speak even today with you, it's really this, I believe, and there's a phrase here, I believe that God is preparing you and has prepared you to steward a unique move of God. 
I believe, let me say it to you again, that God is calling you to steward a unique work and move of God's Spirit throughout Norfolk and even beyond Suffolk and Essex and throughout all of you standing there. I believe that that is something that God has placed upon you. What does it mean to steward? When I think of a steward, maybe to use the Norwich City analogy for a moment more, I think of somebody wearing a high-vis vest, two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, and they're stewarding people. What are they doing? They're not the big show but they are stewarding people to experience something on the pitch. And in the same way, I believe that you're called to steward something that is bigger than yourself, but it is the glory of God on display for this region to be transformed. And so what is it that God is calling for us to do? I believe that God is calling for us to present Jesus Christ to people that we know. To be so quick to talk about Jesus, it's amazing. Coming out of COVID now, here we are, and we're seeing so many people that are desperate to learn more about God. Desperate to learn more about Jesus. Why? Their lives are messed up. Their lives are broken. They broke them. And in that same way, they're longing. Maybe you're here right now. Maybe you're online with us even this weekend right now. And your, your life is not where you wish it were. Your life is not in the direction that you wish it were going. Your relationships continue to break. You go in and out of jobs and you're like, the common denominator here is me. And even right now, you're like, Jesus, would you meet me today? I believe that Jesus does want to meet you today. We've talked so much about a, a roast dinner, if you will, about a meat and potatoes and vegetables and something hearty. And I believe that the hardiest thing that we could ever have in our lives is the presence of God. The presence of God in our lives to transform us and to shape us and to conform us into the life of Jesus. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I read a report that came out of Harvard. Harvard is a university in the States. It would be like the equivalent of Oxford or Cambridge. And they have a program there called the Human Flourishing Program. Human Flourishing Program. And essentially what they're doing is they're seeking to identify the correlation between people of faith and rising quality in life. And what they have identified is truly those people who walk with God, who know Jesus, who recognize that they're free, have experienced a breakthrough in the kingdom of God. These people undeniably are happier have better marriages, are more generous, have greater peace in their life, less anxiety, less depression. Don't you want that for Norwich? Don't you want that for our region, for all this county and beyond, that we would see people such as that experiencing breakthrough in their lives, walking in the favor of God, your word for the year, 2023, word favor. May you experience favor of God in your life. Well, there was something of the human flourishing program a realization that is really quite stunning, actually, and I want to quote it to you. An interesting aspect, I quote, of the religious participation research suggests that it is religious service attendance, meaning going to church, rather than self-assessed spirituality, meaning going alone, religiosity, meaning that you don't really know Jesus, but you project that you do, or private practices, here it is, that most powerfully predicts health and well-being. Now hear that, that's something powerful, meaning this really matters. When we gather, it really matters. And yes, we're to develop our faith lives Monday through Friday, but we're to come to this place on Sunday where we worship and we celebrate. Even those of you online with us right now, I really want to encourage you. This is really, really good for you. But if you're close by, come and gather with the saints. There is something of power when we gather together and say, God, we have a collective faith right now for a display of your power throughout this community. That's what I'm believing with you right now. So 
What I want to do today is I want to talk to you about four factors that I believe are necessary for Soul Church, for you to steward a unique move of God throughout your life. I know you're about a year plus away from getting into your new building. That's part of it. But I also believe that over these next 12 months, you're going to see more people come to faith than you have ever seen come to faith in the 12-month period before. I believe that you're already starting to see that. I already started to believe that right now you've bought some more chairs for the back of this room. You're going to need to keep buying chairs for other rooms. I believe that you're going to see this. Why? Because when Jesus appears and people are praying and leaders are humble and the place is ready, the presence of God is displayed. And that's what I see. So if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, if you're online with us right now, grab your Bibles, grab your phones, turn or scroll with me if you're on a device to the book of Ephesians, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians is written by Paul to a church that was really saved out of rampant idolatry. And he really begins by telling them, look how blessed you are. Look how significantly blessed you are. And so what we're going to do is this. The book of Ephesians is broken into six chapters. The first three chapters are all about, look at the blessing of God in your life. That's the move of God. But then Paul pivots. It's almost like a hinge. Think of a door that has three hinges on it, and the hinges open, allowing the doorway to open up new lights. Well, in this context, the beginning of chapter 4, Paul then writes, therefore. So what we're going to look at over the next two and a half hours over the next 25 or so minutes is simply this. We're just going to look at a passage or two that speaks about, look how blessed you are. Now look at your responsibility to steward a move of God. But let's pray very briefly, and then we'll get into the content. Spirit of God, we pray right now that you would move. Father, whether we're here in the room or whether we're online, I pray that you would move in this moment. We want to encounter you. We don't want to be a church that's going through the motions. We want to be a church in motion. We want to be about doing what it is that you want us to do. We want to be moving in the power of your spirit and flowing in the kingdom blessing of favor. So I pray for favor, an increase of favor right now. I pray for breakthrough and an increase of breakthrough sightings. God, that you would move. We celebrate you. We welcome you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Verse 3, Ephesians 1. Let me summarize some of these references. And then when we get into the point, some of the references will be on the screen. But he has blessed us, Soul Church, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verses 13 and 14 of Ephesians chapter 1. In him, you, when you heard the word of truth, Soul Church, the gospel of your salvation, and when you put your faith and your trust and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Inheritance means something that you will claim upon the end of your life or their life, to where something is given to you. The Holy Spirit is given to us for the promise that Jesus is going to return and claim the church, claim the bride. He says, you've got the Holy Spirit, verse 16. So he says, I'm praying for you, soul church. In fact, I'm not even going to cease to pray to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of Jesus, the Father of glory, may give to you two things, the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. You know, how many of you know that we need both of those things in our lives? We need wisdom to live well. We need revelation to know what it is that God wants us to do. Revelation is something God spiritually drops into your life to where you're here to know how to get there. 
That is revelation. But how many of you know as well you need wisdom? Wisdom is gained from evaluating your life. Revelation is clarity of where to go in your life. So when you have wisdom, you know where you've come from. When you have revelation, you know where you're going to. He says, I'm praying for both of those. Now, soul church, have wisdom on what it is that you have gone through. But now have revelation to know what it is that you're going into. Because what are you going into? You're going into a move of God. You're going into a greater thing. Greater things have yet to come. I believe for greater things to come in this city. For you, for your church. Goes on to say, so that you may know, verse 18, what is the hope to which you have been called? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And then it doesn't stop there, verse 22. In him, soul church, you also are being built together. You have a building being built right now. And while the building is being built to house the people of God, the people of God are being built to fill the building of God. You are the church. The purpose of the church is the people of God and we, get, we have buildings of which the people can then worship. So yes, let that building be built. Give and serve and surrender so much of your life to what is happening in terms of that building, but then recognize it is your life that matters the most. He then prays to them again in verse 14 of chapter three. He says, I'm praying again, verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. Everyone say power with me. Power. Power may come into your life through the Spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. All of that, those chapters right there through one through three are all about the blessing of God in our lives. Who's thankful for the blessing of God in our lives? Amen. We're thankful for that, right? If you're online, you're thankful for that. We're so thankful for what God is doing. But then he says, chapter four, verse one, Therefore, as a prisoner, as a prisoner for the Lord, he then says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Friends, the first chapters speak about what we have been saved from. The next three speak about what we are being saved for. How many of you know you're not just saved from something, you're saved for something? You're not just saved from your brokenness, you're saved for righteousness. You're not just saved from your bad family, you're saved for helping other families get healthy and whole. That is the kingdom impact of one plus one equals 70. Why? Because the Spirit comes in as we're willing to give out. So there are four things here. There are four things that we see revealed in terms of how to walk worthy. We pick it up in verse 2. Walk with humility and gentleness, with patience. Everyone look at the person next to you and go, I don't like being patient. <laughs> yeah, me either. I don't like being patient either, especially in the championship when we want to go back to the Premier League. Come on. With patience, bearing with one another in love. Verse three, eager to maintain. And here it is. If you've got your Bible out and you've got a pen, I want you to underline these words. If you're on a device, take a screenshot and circle it with the markup feature. Eager to maintain eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Point number one, if we're going to steward well a work of God and a move of God, point number one, we've got to work to preserve the unity of the church. We have got to work, you and I, to preserve the unity of what's happening in this church. Here is the theological point, and then I'll apply it practically. The theological point is this, Ephesus, made up of Jews, and Gentile, Jewish people, the lineage of Israel, Gentile, non-Jew, all others. 
Hear Israel, everyone else here. Paul says, look what God has brought together. God has brought together Jew and Gentile. God has brought together. So he says, in the spiritual, God has made you one. Now think of Soul Church. We're not all the same, are we? We're different. That's the beauty. It's not uniformity. It's unity. We don't all have to look the same. We have to look in the same direction to the one who does it all for us. Unity comes from where you look in terms of the direction of where you look. Uniformity says, I need to look like you. Unity says, let's look together at the one who does it for us. Unity comes about when we keep our eyes on Jesus. So much so, he says, there is one body, verse 4, one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to you, called one Lord, one faith, one baptism. See the singular. It's all about one. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, for all. Let's personalize this. I want you to look to the person to your either side of you. Just look to that person right now and then point at them and go, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for you. Go ahead and say that. I'm so thankful for you. All right. All right. Now I want you to look at the second choice and go, I'm thankful for you too. Kind of. If you're online with us right now, maybe do that to the person. Look at them and go, I'm so thankful for you. If you're in a coffee shop right now, just randomly say, I'm so thankful for you and see what happens. Here's the thing, here's the thing. There is something to be said about when you look around and you say, I'm so thankful for you, why? Thanksgiving creates gratitude. Gratitude fuels unity. When you're grateful for what God has done, you're in a place to receive more of what he wants to do. Gratitude is the spirit of thanksgiving. God, I'm so thankful for what you are doing. Week in, week out. Soul Church has people walk in through these doors from all different backgrounds, all different places, all throughout the county and beyond, driving 30, 40 minutes at times, maybe more, to come here. Why? Because there is something different here. But can I tell you right now, Pastor Chantel and John don't have like a little switch that they flip there in their office that says unity, disunity, and they flip it every Sunday morning. No, it's not like they can create this but they can be faithful to foster this. But yet we have a personal responsibility for Soul Church to be unified. And here's the reason this matters so much. If you're anything like me, you have a spiritual gift of irritation. (laughs) My wife often tells me, Daniel, of all of the spiritual gifts, I think irritation is perhaps one of your strongest ones. You just irritate me sometimes. And while we're laughing at me right now, I'm laughing with you right now because you too sometimes have the spiritual gift of irritation. You don't believe me? Get married. You don't believe me? Ask your spouse. Don't believe me? Ask your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Yes, you're so irritating. Stop asking me these questions. See, the point is at times there are things that we can do that irritate people. It's a skill. It's a real gift. If you're married and you're a husband, maybe you just feel like you take your jeans off and you don't hang them up. Your wife is like, hang them up. You're like, nope, I lay them on the ground. They lay flat that way. You just lay them down. And the point is it bothers people at times. Well, all of us at times can do things that irritate one another. And here's the other thing. We're all a work in progress. You and I, yes, we can rest in the work of Jesus for salvation, but sanctification is a big church word that means cleaning. Salvation is a big church word for called claiming. There is the claiming and the cleaning. The claiming of God is the work of God. 
The cleaning of God is our response to the calling of God. And you and I, now listen to me, so church, you gotta be willing to be cleaned. You gotta be willing to allow the Lord to change you. None of us are the finished article. In fact, we deny the power of the gospel when we say, God, I got all I need now. You're welcome to have me. And he goes, no, you're welcome to have me. We sit under the authority of the word of God. We sit under the authority of the personhood of God. We're not in charge, he is. And there is something to be said about us responding well, amen? Amen, we are under God. Well, he says, be united in the calling, be unified in the church. And the other side of it is this, sometimes people offend us because we're all a work in progress. And because of that, sometimes we say things that upset people. I have seven children. That's not an interference on the microphone. That is seven children, S-E-V-E-N. Seven children. You're like, how do you have seven children? We don't want to go into that right now, do we? Or do we? The point is we have seven children, and uh, I love it. In fact, I've got to tell you a funny story about that. So my wife's name is Laurie. She's American. And uh, I'm from Suffolk, and this Suffolk boy met this all-American girl. And to get the girl, knowing that she came from a big family, she said, prior to the point of getting married, and she said, how many kids do you want? And I thought for a moment, thinking that three would be a good number. And I thought, well, to get the girl, I'll probably have to inflate the number a little bit. So I went to the dizzying heights of five. I was like, let's go, let's just go for five. She then says to me, well, I was hoping to have seven. So let me tell you the key to marriage. I wanted five, she wanted seven, So the key to a healthy marriage is we compromised and had seven. That's the truth. That's the truth. But here's the point. There are times, there are times where I'm not all that I need to be. And there are times when I upset my children. Parents, how many of you know the best thing you can ever tell your children is you love them and you're sorry at times? It's so validating for what they see. When you say you're sorry, it's so empowering when they know they're loved, but there are times in my life where I've said things and I've hurt my kids or they've said things and hurt me. The point is, none of us are a finished article. And that's the point, nor are you in your family. So not only in your physical family, your biological family, but your spiritual family here at Soul Church. Hear me. Let me, as a friend of your church and as a friend of your pastors and one that has come to Soul Church many times and sat with you, let me say this. You have a personal responsibility for the unity of Soul Church. Lean into that. Lean into that and say, this is my church. And my church will be a unified church. Psalm 133 verses 1 through 3, I believe it is, where it says, the Lord commands a blessing. When the church, when the church stands as one. Let's let the blessing of the Lord be commanded over our church. So number one, let's be unified. Number two, we must revere the holiness of God. Look what it says in verse 30 of Ephesians chapter four. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. There are two things here that we need to identify about the reverence and the respect of who God is. Number one, notice the term to describe God, holy. I think sometimes we can think of the Holy Spirit as the happy spirit or the weird spirit if you're not sure or the distant spirit, but yet the term to describe the work of God in regard to the spirit is holy. We're called to be holy too. But as holy, we ought to live in such a way that shows the Lord the value of his deposit of God in us. 
We go, look, you can, you can see what you've done in my life and I want to represent you well. But also, the Holy Spirit is not some sort of indistinct power. Can we get theological for a minute? Can we get kind of complicated for a minute? The Spirit of God is a person. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. The Spirit of God is not an indistinct force like a cloud. And there are people up there drinking Red Bull, playing violins, not at all. The Spirit of God is a person, and because of that, there's an implication there. As a person, there are things that the personhood of the Spirit likes and does not like. And we're to honor, the God, honor God and the Godhead. And in such a way, there are some things that we do at times that the Spirit goes, don't do that anymore. Don't Move away from that. Don't speak to her that way. Don't harbor those jealous thoughts in your life. This is all part of kingdom living, where God cleans us so much so. Look at verse 25 of Ephesians 4. Quite a few verses here, but don't miss this moment. Put away falsehood. Put away falsehood. If you want to steward a work of God, put away lies. You know, at times we can go through life and we can create this picture of the person that we want people to see us as. It's called a mirage or a face, if you will, but it's not really who we are. Friends, I want to say this to you. Who you are when no one is looking is who you really are. Who you are when no one's looking is who you are. So live in a pure way. Put away falsehood. Let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. He says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, meaning do hard work so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Church, I want to honor you for the way you share with those in need throughout Norwich and beyond. Bless you for your generosity, especially through the time of COVID. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. That's hard. That's hard. Paul doesn't say you're permitted to allow some. He says, no, 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 work hard to allow none. Live in such a way where you speak to build people up, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And then here it is, verse 30, don't grieve God. Don't grieve God. So put away bitterness. You know what bitterness is, right? Bitterness is when something has been done to you and you're so upset about it that you hope that person to feel the pain of what they have done to you and there's a poison, but rather than them drinking it, you begin to drink the very poison of your thoughts towards them and you die yourself. Bitterness. You become bitter. There's a bitterness in terms of your life. Put away bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. And he says, be kind. Verse 32. Church, I want to speak over you. God will be good to you and God will be good through you when the kindness of God is displayed by you. It says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. If you're online with us right now, it's the kindness of God that will call you to a point of repentance. It's not the anger of God. It's not the threats of God. It's not the distance of God. It's the, it's the pull up a chair, let's do life together. It's like your granddad who you deeply, deeply love, if this helps maybe, who just puts his arm on your shoulder and says, I love you. I'm so very proud of you. So thankful for you. We prayed you in. You're here. That's how the Lord is. He's like that comforting presence who wants to come around us and affirm us and say, I love you. 
So be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgive one another as God and Christ forgave you. And then here it is, verse 1, Ephesians 5, the hardest verse perhaps in all of Scripture. Be imitators of God. Whew. I mean, don't look at the person around you right now and go, if I could be like them, I would have arrived. No, 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 don't imitate them, imitate God. Put your eyes on God, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering. What do you smell like? What's your aroma? I think Pastor Chantel recently spoke of this. What do you smell like? Like literally, no, I'm just kidding. But what do you smell like? What's your aroma when people are around you? There's enough for now, but let me say it this way. Sometimes when you read a list like that, you can step back and you can go, man, I, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for the scripture like that. <clears throat> Here's why. Maybe you're here right now and you're like, man, be kind. <clears throat> Forgive one another. And you read that and you're like, man, I hope my wife hears this today. I really do. She could really work quite a bit towards kindness and maybe she's here right now and she's like, man, I'm so glad my husband finally came with me today. Be tender-hearted. Show some tenderness towards me, bro. Here's the point. Sometimes we can pitchfork. Growing up in Suffolk, I know what a pitchfork is. If there's something in front of you, you use a pitchfork to move it away from in front of you. Sometimes we treat scripture with a pitchfork. It lands in front of us and we're like, nope, I don't want that one. So we pitch it over to someone else that we think really needs it. And while that's true at times, everyone needs it, right now you're here. Right now you're online. And the point is, you're here for a reason. Why? So you can grow in this. So what do we do? Number one, we pursue unity. Number two, we really seek the holiness and revere the holiness of God. Number three, we need to pursue the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, do not get drunk with wine. Ephesians 5, verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me qualify that for a moment. Nowhere in Scripture does it say, don't drink. It says, don't be drunk. And the emphasis here is on the word control. When you drink, you do so for being around people in company. But when you drink too much, you lose control. You make a fool of yourself. And Paul is creating a contrast. Don't be drunk with wine because you lose control. Rather, be filled with the Holy Spirit where you demonstrate a willingness to lose control. It's amazing how many times we're willing to, quote, be drunk and lose control, but when we're sober, we're unwilling to relinquish control. Now think about that one later, because I tell you, it's an illusion to believe that we're in control, but we oftentimes act as if we are. If you think you're in control, try and get around the ring road when it's five o'clock and you're stuck in traffic. Show how much control you have then. You're sitting there. Spirit of God says, give me control of your life. Give me control of your life. And he says so much so, verse 19, address one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. In other words, change the way you speak. The Spirit of God changes the way we talk to one another, but it also changes the way we treat one another. Look what it says. It says in verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. One of the attributes or the criterion, you might say, the way of measuring the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is it changes our opinions. If you don't have in your life as a Christian a changed opinion about someone or something over the last year or two, I might begin to question the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Well, it's those people, they're to blame. It's that person's fault. 
It's that if they would get out of the way, it's, and we can harbor these opinions, the Spirit of God comes to change our opinions to where we submit to one another. Look at the person next to you and say, wow, this is fun today. <laughs> the point is, I believe that God wants us to grow into all that he has for us. And I truly do believe as we get into the final point here in just a moment, God is calling you to step into a chapter that you have never seen before of favor, of power, but he wants for every moment of power for you to step up with purity. For every time of where you see the Lord move in the prophetic, he wants you to demonstrate responsibility with the person right in front of you. There is this balance that we're in partnership with God. God is leading. God is always in charge. But there's this empowerment of relationship to where we have a responsibility. It's the reason Paul writes, therefore, I urge you, walk worthy. In other words, walk in the same direction as God. Point number four, point number four, we find in Ephesians 6, verses 10 and 12, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. I believe that God is one. We don't need to learn to, or forgive me, we do need to learn to live in the victory. We don't need to live in such a way as we're waiting for God to win. God's already won. But while God has already won, there are times in our lives where we can get confused by the enemy. It's the reason that Paul says, pray that you might stand up against the schemes of the enemy, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, etc. Friends, I want to leave you with this simple thought, and that is this, that the Christian life is not hard. It's impossible without the Spirit of God. It's not only hard, you're like, man, I'm trying to get better, I'm trying to get better. Friends, if you don't know Jesus, you can't fix the problems that you have created. You can't fix the brokenness that you have left in the trail of your life. But God can redeem all things and make things like new again, Revelation 21. He comes in a way to redeem our lives. But without God in our lives, we can't make our lives better. I'm telling you though, life is found as a believer on the other side of death. When you carry your cross, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me, the hope of glory, life is found on the other side of death. So if life feels like it's death for you right now, know that there is life on the other side. Point four, we must unleash the weapons of the kingdom. He says, now take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Friends, don't just carry the Bible with you. Paul says, take it up. It's a euphemism of, Pull the sword out. Don't just know it's there. Use the word to take authority over the dark things of your life. Use the word of God. Pray the scripture back to the Father heart of God and say, God, this is the promise that you've given me. And this is a promise I'm praying back to you. I want to see this promise come in my life. And then he says, and then pray in the spirit at all times. Pray. Pray with your prayer language. Pray in such a way to where you go deep into the heart of God. Let's summarize and then we'll respond. Number one, work towards unity. Number two, revere the holiness of God. Number three, pursue the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then number four, activate every weapon of the kingdom. Say yes to God. Soul Church, we're gonna respond. Say yes to Him. 
Say yes to him right now. If the Spirit of God is quickening your life right now, say sorry to that person today. Write them a letter. Forgive your parents. Forgive your daughter. Forgive your colleague at work. Go over to somebody later after we release today. If you're online with us, maybe reach out to that person that you've been praying for and say, I'm sorry. It's not you, it's me. And watch the Spirit of God come and bring unity where there is division. The enemy would love for you to say, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna go first. I'm not gonna let them off the hook. Friends, don't forget this image. When we say the phrase, I'm not gonna let them off the hook, we remain hooked to that situation. You try to walk away, it's like a coat hook and I'm not gonna let them off the hook. It's my hook and all of a sudden you go to walk away and every time you do, you're pulled back. Let the hook go and unity will come when you forgive. Revere God. Don't just sing about Him, sing to Him. We honor you, Jesus. Pray for the ministry of the Spirit of God. Spirit of God flow through this place. As you drive past the new building site, pray. May this be a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. And finally, you've got weapons. You might say you've got weapons that bring about great destruction in the heartland of the enemy. Use them. Every promise is yes in Him, but every weapon has been given to secure that promise. Amen. Will you stand with me? I want us to pray as we prepare to respond. And while we are going to give an opportunity in a moment for those of you online or here in the room that would love to say yes to Jesus, I first want to pray for all of us that know Jesus, actually. And I just want to pray that we would be responsive to the promptings of the Lord right now. So if you're willing with me, I know we don't know each other very well at all, but if you're willing to trust me, I would ask that you just put out your hands before you and say, God, meet me in this moment. And I'm simply going to lead us in a prayer of saying, Spirit, come. Spirit of God, come now in this moment. May we be a people that fight for unity. We support Pastor Chantel and John and their leadership. We, we commit to support the team that you've formed here. We, we commit Jesus in this moment to lean into and take personal responsibility for the unity of this place. Father, we pray right now that we would, we would honor you with our lives. We would revere your holiness. We would respect your work in our lives. And we say, yes, release the ministry of your spirit in our lives. And yes, we activate the weapon, every weapon of the kingdom in our life that we would fulfill the mandate and the mission of God in our lives. So every, mo- every person right now in this moment, fill us, spirit come. Let's drop our hands and maybe if our eyes are open or closed, however you please in this moment, but let's create a moment for those who want to say yes to Jesus. When I was 16 years old, I gave my heart to Jesus and um, it was an amazing moment. I was at Spring Harvest in Skegness. Hey, and the Lord moved in my life and I stood to receive Him and it's a funny moment actually and I feel prompted to share it right now. Someone was at the front preaching as I am now. I was in a room, but different. We were all seated at that point. And he was preaching. He said, somebody's gonna say yes to Jesus today. For I know right now they're already standing and crying. And in that moment, I realized my friend was pulling my leg and pulling my jeans saying, sit down, sit down, you're making a scene. 
What I didn't realize was in a room of around 700 people, I was the only one standing crying as he was preaching before he even got to the ministry moment and the response. And in that moment, the Lord met me. And maybe more importantly, in that moment, I met God. And he changed my life. He forgave me for my brokenness. He welcomed me as his son. Friends, the good news is this. Until you say yes to Jesus, until you say yes to Jesus, I should say it this way, the bad news is this. Until you say yes to Jesus, when God sees you, he sees your sin. But the moment you say yes to Jesus, the son steps in the way. And now the father, when he sees you, the child, doesn't see your sin, but sees his son. And in the place of your shame, he sees his son's glory. And that changes everything. It changes everything. And I want that for you today. I want that for you today. You might only be here one time. You might have been here a handful of times. You might have come today because you were like arm twisted into this. The enemy wants you to feel arm twisted. The Lord invites you to come open-handed. So if you would say today, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to encourage you, raise your hand with me. Would you raise your hand right now if you're saying yes to Jesus? You're saying yes to Jesus. Come on, put that hand up nice and high. You're saying yes to Jesus. There are people in this room. Let's say yes to Jesus. Come on. Amen. Come on. Let's freak and go. All right. Here's how we're going to respond to this moment. We're all going to put our hands up as I lead us in this prayer. And then we're going to close this time. I promise you. Would you all put your hand up with me as we just say this together? Would you repeat it after me? Lord Jesus, we need you. Yes, we say yes to you. Come take our sin and give us your son. We repent of our ways and we choose your ways that we would live for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Soul Church. You're awesome. Let's keep living for Jesus. Come on. Can we thank Pastor Daniel for that incredible word? Let's give it up all the way from Suffolk, Colorado. What a word, hey? I know you, but I'm ready to activate all that God's called me to do. And uh, one awesome word. Wow. People really enjoy it. <laughs> ready to activate. Hey, if you said that decision and you said, yes, you know what? I want to become a follower of Jesus today. We don't want you to just leave this moment because as you saw through Pastor Daniel's preaching, the Word of God is powerful. We want to equip you with a Bible. And uh, I saw many, many people say yes. Maybe it's for the first time you said yes to Jesus and you haven't got a Bible at home. Well, don't go home without one. And uh, the team are going to be outside in the Connect Lounge. They're going to have yellow lanyards around their neck and they're going to be waving this over their head because they want you to come up to them, have a conversation and let them present to you a Bible prior of you and ask um, you can ask any questions you've got. They might be able to give you the answers there. They might be able to point you in the right direction. And let's stay connected. Is that okay? So can we give a round of applause to every single person who made that decision? And one of the things we're really passionate about here at Soul Church is that actually we're called to do life in community. The Bible talks time and time again how we're actually called to be children of God, which means we're called to be in family. And so say you've been coming here for a couple of weeks, you still don't feel that you've connected, maybe you're watching online, we'd love to connect with you and there's so many different ways you can do that. One of the ways is by just going up to someone with a yellow lanyard and saying, hey, can
can I be your friend? Can you help me get connected to the Soul Church? And I'd love to help you with that. Or if you don't fancy doing that, scan the QR code that's either uh, behind me on the screen, in front of me on the screen if you're watching online, or on the QR code. And um, yeah, we'd love to just um, be connected and do life for you guys. Is that all right? It sounds pretty cool, hey? Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.